you are a fake Christian. Would that not be a horrible thing to hear from someone you loved, someone that you love? Would that not be horrifying to hear that from God? That that would be God's view of you. We're uh, looking at Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. We're returning to this series, A Beautiful Resistance. And uh, there's so much in uh, this passage that Kim just so wonderfully read out. And, uh, but I'm going to get straight to the point. Jesus is calling his listener to get real. Not to fake discipleship. Not to fake kingdom living but to get real. Uh, We live in this uh, self-centered and self-consumed and self-loving culture. You know, there's places in the world that ban selfies because too many people die in those places. They're too obsessed with themselves. And this, my friends, is living for the kingdom of self. It's living for the world, and Jesus calls it out as living as a fake. He says in verse 1 of the passage that Kim read out, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. Jesus lays it out with this guiding principle for us. Stop playing games. Stop looking to the world for affirmation. It's time to get real with your faith. And we're going to see that Jesus is saying that it's only possible to get real with God through real intimacy with God, a real intimate relationship with the living God. And we're going to see that kingdom living chooses intimacy over image. And when we get real with God, we're actually going to see that God can use us Imagine having such an intimacy with God that he, he partners with you, he, he guides you, he is with you as you seek to do things for him and in his name. You know, I've really needed this, uh, this message for myself and I really believe that God's got a message for us all here tonight. Look, why don't we pray together and ask that he would really speak to us. Jesus, we thank you so much that, uh, for this sermon that you preached uh, a long time ago to a different group of people, and you've been speaking to people ever since through it, all through the ages, and even tonight you're going to speak to us, and we're grateful for that in advance. God, we, we ask that you would speak to us, that you would identify the things that we need to get real. And Holy Spirit, we're trusting that you're going to bring conviction and challenge and comfort tonight as we look at the precious uh, scripture and the precious sermon that Jesus preached. And so, please be with us. The distractions of the day, of the week, of the year, I pray that you would remove them for us for just this moment so we can be all in and focused on what you have to say for us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. My name's Jason, for those that don't know me. Uh, It's really privileged to be here to preach God's word and um, I wanted to ask you a question, just straight up. What makes a good Christian? 
Maybe have a think about it. Why don't you turn to the person next to you or just think about it on your own. What makes a good Christian? I'll give you a few seconds and then I'd love for you to, to, to call a few of them out. What makes a good Christian? Let me hear a few character traits of a good Christian. A big Bible, definitely, yes. You go to church. You go to church. What else? Praying. Praying, absolutely. Forgiving others. Forgiving others. I love it. You know, it's interesting that we, we can only judge people's goodness by outward expression of the faith. You know, how generous they are and how, how much they give and, and their, how big their Bible is. But, and those things aren't bad, uh, but with the wrong motive, with a warped inward motive, they can be bad. And God, interestingly, isn't primarily focused on the outward, though he does care. He's much more interested on the inward state of the heart and our motivations, the intent of our heart. It's what's going on the inside that really counts. You know, what makes a good coffee? Is it this uh, biodegradable cup or this compostable lid that makes a coffee awesome? No, it's the inside of that cup. It's the, the perfect shot. It's the, the texture of the milk. It's the temperature. It's, if it doesn't have a swan on that latte, it's pathetic. <laughs> and so it matters what's on the inside, right? And in the same way, God is looking at the inward state of our faith, looking for real, authentic faith that is in pursuit of real intimacy with him. And it does start with making a choice as individuals. Because living, kingdom living chooses intimacy over image, it chooses that inward devotion as opposed to that outward emphasis. Because when you get real with God, you can be used by God. And we're going to see that tonight. We're going to see that Jesus gives us three aspects of our lives where we have the opportunity to choose intimacy over image. And that's giving, it's praying, and it's fasting. Now, these things uh, have had a different significance to, to people, a different significance uh, to his original audience uh, and their context, and it's going to mean different things to us today, but there is a timeless truth and reality about these things. They, they are beautiful practices, but there's also a danger in them that they puff ourselves up. They, make, they become useless to the one doing them, uh, useless to the ones that might benefit from them, uh, and useless to God, actually, that he would be unable to work through it since he's, he's not considered to be part of it at all due to the selfishness. But there's also potential for much blessing. With whatever pursuit we choose, intimacy or image, uh, there is a reward from the world or a reward from God. And so we're going to dig deep into this, uh, this passage and look through uh, these three different things. We're going to look at the first opportunity to get real and what it looks like through giving. And so let's open up our Bibles and we're going to look 
at verse 2 in chapter 6. When you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. What an image. Uh, You've got the trumpets out. I can't even imagine this occurring. But in the context of Jesus' listeners, this was, uh, this was a sign that you had it all together. And uh, the word that he uses here, hypocrites, uh, it's, uh, it's a faker. It actually uh, can be translated an actor in a play. So people that knowingly uh, are pretending to be something they're not. The faker only cares about being praised by people. They give to the needs of others in a way that actually wants recognition and acceptance from people more than they want to actually serve others and serve God. And as we read, I say to you, they've received their reward. And that reward is what they set out to get. As you see, they, uh, they set out to be praised by others, and Jesus says they have received their reward. So whatever you set out to, 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 to get from the world, know that you will get it. You will get the acceptance, you'll get the attention and the applause uh, from the people around you. You will get it. But it's fleeting. It's flawed. And that in itself is fake. People will see right through that eventually. The only reward for this public recognition is the public recognition and the praise of the people. And this pales in comparison to the reward of the Father. So why do we do this? Why do we seek the attention of others? Why do we love it? Why do we want the praise? I'd say it's for a few reasons. I'd say, of course, it's our sinfulness. It's insecurity. I'd say it's the fear of man and the lack of fear of God. We need a fresh fear of God, I would say. Psalm 33 verse 18 says, Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his steadfast love. And when we fear the Lord, we gain this confidence in God overseeing us and what we're doing for him. But I'd also say there's a lack of love for God, there's a lack of love for others, because we love ourselves so much. And so Jesus calls this out as being fake. But God wants us to serve him alone. He doesn't want us to pretend. He's asking us to get real and serve him alone. Look at verse 3. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. What an image of secrecy. Uh, Don't even let part of your body see what the other half of your body is doing. Jesus is stressing the point. This is for the attention of God only, which is interesting because Alocchi a few weeks ago was up here saying uh, that Jesus had said in his message that we must be let our light shine before others so that they may see the good works. And now Jesus is saying, let it be in secret. And the difference is, again, that motivation. Jesus said, let your, lights, let your good works be seen so that people may give glory to your Father who is in heaven. 
And Jesus here is calling out those who seek the glory for themselves. Private acts of service that focus on God and Him being glorified will result in God's blessing on the work. In the same way that seeking praise from the world will get the praise from the world in its limitedness, Jesus is saying when you seek God alone, you get that beautiful uh, communion with God in your giving. Their reward is God himself. Recognizing their service, that it's done in secret, and, and you have not only that pleasure of communion with God and, him, and being with him in secret, but also the joy of meeting a need. That is part of the reward, the fact that you set out to meet a need, serve others and serve God, and you actually have the pleasure of meeting that need. What a beautiful reward that we have. It's not me-focused, it's God-focused and others-focused. And what a beautiful thing, God Almighty, seeing your genuineness to meet the needs of others and his hand of blessing being on that and his approval, and he can work with that. God delights in our motive to serve others and he will bless it. We seek to serve God. He sees it, he rewards it, he blesses it, and we are blessed too. It's a beautiful, beautiful truth. And to get practical, uh, it may be your giving. Uh, Maybe you're giving to God uh, through the local church. It could be uh, through charities. It could be donations. You know, maybe it's worth considering how you've set that up. Are you parading that? Or are you eager uh, to make that a private affair with God? It could be something that you set up automatically or online or uh, in a certain way that you, you set it up and it's only you and God. God is your audience. Maybe there's a particular time of the week that you can just offer it to God and just say, God, I give it to you. I give you my offering. And your reward will be the joy of being part of God's vision and his mission to reach many people and the fact that he has blessed that gift. It may also be your time. Let's resist the temptation to let everyone know how much time you give to things like school and uni and staying back late at work and and at church late, like I did recently, letting a few people know how long it took me to do something. Let's resist that and offer that time to to the Lord and just he be the recipient of it. The faker only wants praise from people, but God wants us to serve him alone. And when we choose intimacy over image and get real with God, he will have his hand of blessing on us as we serve him through serving others. Secondly, Jesus uh, addresses prayer. And so in verse 5, he says, When you pray... He doesn't say if you pray, he says when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love, they love, they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. The faker loves the attention of others. They strategically place themselves in a situation where they're seen and where they're heard to be communing with God so that people would say, wow, they've got it all together. Now, don't get me wrong, we can be encouraged by people 
who pray, and we can be encouraged by others' devotion, but it always comes back down to the motivation of that person crying out to God. If they're genuinely drawing near to God in worship with Him as their focus, we can be encouraged by that. And, and uh, he's going to cringe, but my dad is an example of this. He, uh, he has devoted himself to, to more prayer in his life. And he's actually, he said to me numerous times that he, he regrets a lot of his time that has been spent over the years, that he hasn't spent more time in prayer. And so he's devoted himself to pray more with God. And I'm encouraged by that. I'm encouraged because I see the answers to prayer. And so I'm not so much looking at my dad and thinking, what an amazing person that he is praying, but rather, what an amazing God that he prays to. And that encourages me. And actually, I love the attitude that my dad has, is that he's not eager that people would look at him and say how amazing is him, but rather, if he can pray, then I can pray. And I love that attitude. And so I am encouraged by others' devotion. But what about uh, corporate singing? Because that is, that is like prayer, isn't it? It's, you know, we, we, we confess our sin to God, we, we cry out to God, we praise Him, we adore Him, uh, we ask Him to work in situations. Singing is like prayer. And so when we raise our hands in worship, you know, should we not be doing that? Should we be doing all that in secret? Well, I don't think Jesus is, is alluding to that at all. Because, once, as I said, when our eyes are fixed on the Lord Jesus, what, what we do actually can encourage. And so when I see a pastor raising his hands and he's, and he's worshipping God, and when I see others raising their hands and, and just crying out to God, it encourages because I'm drawn to the attention of the God that they are worshipping. The attention is on God, not us. The faker also tries to convince others and God that they will be heard. Their prayers are going to be answered because they have many words. Look in verse 7. It says, when you pray, don't heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. I love this uh, verse. It's probably one of my favorites because uh, that that phrase, empty phrases, it can be translated uh, to babble. Uh, to babble on. So, so when you pray, don't babble, as the Gentiles do. And another, I saw another translation one time, it says to waffle on. So don't waffle on when we pray. We can be concise and simple. And uh, it reminds me of, uh, of this olive oil, which I'd love to show you. You know, this isn't just any olive oil. This is olive oil composed of refined olive oils and virgin olive oils. Oils comprising exclusively olive oils that have been undergone, undergone refining and oils obtained directly from olives. olives. Did that make it any more meaningful? I don't think, uh, it actually frustrated me when I read that. Um, see how the attention is taken away from the olive oil and to this distracting label. And so many words don't necessarily make something more meaningful and it doesn't impress God either. It draws attention to ourselves and, uh, and not necessarily to God. It, Jesus has, says that it's a bit more simple than that. God wants us to love him alone. And as we see in verse 6, Jesus instructs us. He says, when you pray, go into your room and shut the door. 
and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Jesus is addressing private prayer and saying how it seeks the attention and the response of God only. And the reward of this, of this motivation, to, uh, is God responding to the prayers and delighting in the love that you have, that you have for God and the love that you have for, for others. What a beautiful thing that you can come before your God in private and he is there with you. He is with you in your prayers. And that is what God wants. He wants us to love him alone, not love the attention of others. Is this condemning corporate prayer, though? Is it condemning joining together in prayer? I don't think so. It's interesting that as Jesus addresses private worship in this way, in the privacy of your home, in, in a quiet room, shut the door, it's just you and God. <clears throat> but then the, the model that he gives us for praying, because in, in the book of Luke, he, his disciples actually say, teach us to pray. So Jesus gives this model, and it's interesting the language that he uses. Our Father, not our kingdom, your kingdom. Give us this this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. This is to be prayed together. So why don't we pray it right now? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. What a beautiful prayer that we can pray corporately. You know, Jesus is addressing the private and the corporate, but you know what? At the center of all of that, both those things, it's just that devotion to God alone, in his audience only. And so it can be done in private, it can be done corporately, but it's with that motivation that God receives the focus and the attention. So what is our prayer life like? Do we need to seek to spend more time with the Lord? Have we bought into that lie that, you know, once we articulate the right words and phrases and length of prayer, that God will hear and it will impress others? If you want to start to go deeper and get more real with God in your time with God, perhaps we could just start real simple. Maybe tomorrow when we wake up, instead of turning to our devices, we sit up in bed and just say, thank you, God, for this new day. Thank you for your new mercies that are new today. Lord, I pray that all that I do for you honours you. Amen. Start simple, like this simple model that Jesus has given us. Jesus didn't want his uh, followers to just pray this religiously and, and just to recite it like a script. He says, pray like this. It's, it's a guide. So why don't you pull out a part of the Lord's Prayer and practice. Maybe next Sunday at 5pm, the prayer room is open. Why don't you join with others and take a portion of the Lord's Prayer and say something like, God, I thank you that I can call you Father. Thank you that I am your child. What an honour. I thank you, God. And you'd be surprised at 
the kind of prayer that then comes out of a prayer like that and the encouragement that people have, start simple. So we've looked at uh, what it looks like to serve others. Fakers only care about being praised by people, but God wants to, us to serve him alone. We've also looked at the fact that fakers love the attention of others and how God wants us to love him alone. And it's interesting, we get to fasting now. And I don't know about you, but in some ways, things have progressively gotten more holy. You know, giving is somewhat doable. I can, uh, something can pop up on my Facebook feed, I can click a button, I can donate $2, and I've just supported some charity. Prayer is a bit more intentional. It requires effort, carving out time. And so there's this understanding that things, it almost seems like it's getting a little bit more holier. So when we get to fasting, it's like, oh my goodness, fasting is like next level spiritual, right? What, if, what even is fasting? But it is precious. Fasting is precious, and we're going to see that. Jesus fasted. Fasting has been around before he was born. And it's been part of uh, faith for a long time, and it's been... And uh, it's really interesting uh, what we know about fasting. You know, fasting essentially is abstaining from food and not just doing that, but then turning to God and making yourself become low, humbling ourselves before God, in need of God, putting our dependence on God, showing God that we need you, God. Now, I know we, in our culture, we tend to uh, fast from technology and things like that, and I think that's a good thing to do. Um, but it's, you know, those technology things, they've only been around for a few years. It's mainly talking about abstaining from food. You know, we can do without technology. We, we can easily do that. But food, we need food. We need, to, we need the nourishment of food, and we are very dependent on it, but we can be very greedy and indulge in it. And, and so fasting is a way to say, God, those, that thing that I need for nourishment, I'm going to pause from that and I'm going to be on my knees and I'm going to humble myself before you. And God is the only audience of that. You know, when, let's look at our passage in verse 16. It says, when you fast, don't look gloomy like the fakers, like the actors, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. Fakers pretend to need God. They purposely let the, the people around them know that they're very devout. You know, here the faker distorts themselves physically uh, to give the impression that they're, they're willing to put their body through, through turmoil and trials for the sake of God. But fasting that simply... Uh, abstains and, and doesn't depend on God is actually useless. And I would actually say, don't fast if all that you are going to be doing is abstaining from something and not humbling yourself before God and trembling in fear before our God and seeking him to work in a particular season or situation. It does become useless if, you, if that is all that you choose to do. God can't work with that because he isn't in it. He isn't depended upon by the one fasting. So God wants us to need him alone. It says, but when you fast, 
anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Jesus isn't saying, let's hide the practice of fasting. Let's never, let's never let people know that fasting goes on in the church. Rather, he's saying, when you perform fasting, you practice fasting, you perform it only for the audience of the Father. Him alone. No one else. And Jesus actually says, we've got to make it seem like we actually don't fast. You know, it must have been a very common practice as today to put on a bit of deodorant, something to make you feel good and smell good. You know, in the same way, he's saying, wash your face, anoint your head, and go on as normal so people don't suppose that you are, are fasting and the risk of people to look at you and say, wow, look at you. Fasting fosters humility and dependence on God. And God can use people who are humble and dependent on him. If we were to, to fast as a community, or if you were to fast as an individual for uh, the burden that you have for the lost around you, for the people in your university and schools and workplaces, God can use that. God will work through that time of fasting and seeking him and humbling yourself before him. God will work in that. And that is a beautiful reward that God would meet you in that place and he would speak to you and use you. The faker pretends to need God, but God wants us to need him alone. And when we choose intimacy over image and get real with God, God will use us. So what do we care about most? We care about the cup, the compostable lid, or do we care about the coffee? Do we care about the label on the olive oil body, bottle, the many words, or do we care about the olive oil? This is a call for us to get real with God, examining the, the state of our hearts and our motivations so that it will enable God to work through what we do for him outwardly. He's looking at the inward state of our heart. Now, it would be wrong of me to, to wrap up and say, so what you've got to do is just work real hard. You've just got to do stuff. You've just got to stop doing stuff and work, work, be better. But that's actually not what I'm saying. Because the beauty of the gospel is that Jesus has done all the work for us. He perfectly modelled this way of life and, and we don't need to work for God's favour by pretending to be devout, by trying to show off to the world and trying to seek acceptance from it. God sees through those motives and Jesus became the only acceptable sacrifice, the only person pleasing to God, the perfect servant who communed with the Father, depended on him in everything. The beauty of the gospel is that by believing in Jesus and confessing him as Lord and submitting to his authority as your Lord and Savior is this. You know what happens? You receive his righteousness. So when our motivation to serve God by serving others to spend time with God and show God that we need him. God sees it. 
he is pleased with it. He works through it and he blesses it. And that is because these righteous acts are not done in our own ability and strength. They're not our own. They don't puff ourselves up because the Father sees the Son's righteousness. Not our own. Praise God that the Father sees the righteousness of Jesus. Not our own. Nothing that we can boast in, but only that which Jesus has done. Now, are you... You're tired of striving. You're tired of trying to prove that you are a good Christian. You're tired of faking it. I'm calling you to get real. This has been a call to my own soul to get real in my faith and really believe that God can use me when I get real with Him. The first step to getting real is surrender. Surrender to Jesus. Asking for forgiveness, asking him to renew our hearts. You know, for some people that's going to be for the very first time and it's going to be the moment where you experience real life in Christ. Once you were dead in your trespasses, under the wrath of God, but now alive in Christ. This is what we're talking about. This is serious stuff. Be awful to go through this life faking it every moment of the day to then step into eternity and not be with God. God is calling us to get real. For others of us, it's going to be the refining of our faith, maturing of our faith. And no matter where we're all at, let's all have our eyes fixed on our great God. Let's cry out to him in prayer. Let's, let's ask him to reveal the areas that we fake it, where we're trying to seek the attention and affections of the world. When we seek intimacy over image and get real with God, we can expect God to work powerfully in us. So let's pray that he does that. I'm not going to ask you to, to you know, come up the front or... Pray a particular prayer or put your hand up if you've felt like God is really stirred in you. I'm just going to trust that God is causing you to be restless and unsettled and that he's calling you to make some things right through surrender to Jesus by coming back to God and saying, I'm going to get real with you. It's not worth faking it anymore. And so just know what I want to call us to do as a community right now is to be available for one another. Let's, let's not rush off as soon as the song starts or the song ends and we, we bolt out of here. Why don't we be a community that hangs around and lingers a while and looks out for each other and checks in on each other and says, how are you going? Are you getting real with God? And maybe God will, maybe, just maybe, God would do something amazing among us where we have a community of people who are real. And so I want to invite you to stand to your feet. The team are going to come up and help us to respond. I'd love to lead us in prayer. God, we, we're just so thankful for the words of our Lord Jesus, who, who preached to a, a group of people to call them to authenticity and to getting real and to stop pretending to be people that they're not, but live for the kingdom of God. 
choose intimacy with you as opposed to this image and this desire for worldly attention. God, I pray that if you are stirring in people tonight that you would give them the boldness to to share, maybe with a a loved one, a pastor, a, a, a leader, someone nearby that they trust. God, I just pray that we might foster that kind of community tonight. God, we just, we're thankful for your words. I just pray that the foolishness of my preaching would fade away now, that the amazing truth of your scripture would resound in our hearts and send us out in this, this week to, to be real with you. So we come to you now knowing that your arms are open for us. You're going to receive us if we surrender ourselves, we humble ourselves before you. And so we do this in Jesus' name. Amen.